Let me introduce what tonight's all about. I think here at the bridge we care a lot about uh, getting together and um, sharing life together. Um, and we also care a lot about, uh, about Jesus and encountering Jesus every, every day. Um, and so as part of that, we're going to have a talk by uh, one of the members of the bridge. Um, I'm really excited, really excited to hear it. Uh, Henry Jackson, please help me in welcoming him. Everyone. My name's Henry. Uh, thanks for having me tonight, guys. Um, this has just been an amazing opportunity, and I'm very honored to be able to speak to y'all tonight about um, what I'm going to be teaching on. And, uh, and what I'm going to be teaching on is in Matthew chapter 13, if you want to kind of go ahead and start flipping to there. Um, but tonight I'm going to be teaching on a parable, one of Jesus' parables, uh, specifically the parable of the weeds. Um, this belongs to a group of parables um, that Jesus taught to a very large crowd at the Sea of Galilee. And, and it belongs to a set of parables. Um, and in these set of parables, Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. Um, and in case you don't know, to define a parable, it is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And that meaning is hidden. Um, Jesus expanded on this definition more to his disciples by saying that in order to find a deeper meaning, you have to be spiritually receptive. And being a disciple means one that is committed to Jesus and that commitment allows insight into the kingdom. Also, the opposite is true. If you do not believe who Jesus says he is, if you don't believe what he says, then you're not going to understand what he's saying. You aren't going to find the deeper truths of what he's trying to explain. And that's basically the idea behind parables. So this particular parable that we're talking about in Matthew, by the way, illustrates how both good and evil coexist in our world and that it will be God who will pass judgment, not us. It points to the second coming of Jesus, which gives believers hope in the midst of trials. So I, I get two main questions that I want you all to kind of tuck away and keep in the back of your mind as I'm going through this. My desire for you is to be able to answer, why do bad things happen and where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Where am I in this parable? So let's just go right in. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. I'm going to just stop right there and pray over the word. And then we're going to just dive right in. So bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, you're, you're awesome. You're sovereign. You speak truth. You give us truth. And... 
I just pray that with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that I'm able to speak your truth and Lord, that you use me. Lord, I also pray for the people here tonight that um, one, I pray for energy for them and energy for me, but also energy for them to be able to hear and be receptive to your word and also to be able to get the meaning of what you're trying to teach, Lord. Um, thank you for your word and let your word be your word, Lord. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to highlight um, certain parts in the parable verse by verse. But before I do that, I also want to point out that later on in this chapter, Jesus explains what the parable means um, in Matthew uh, 13, I think, verses 34 through 40. Um, so, in, 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 And he does this to his disciples. So instead of me trying to explain what the parable means, I'm going to let that be up to Jesus because he's going to do a better job than I ever would. So um, let's start verse 24. He put another parable before them. Them, he's referring to the, um, them, he's talking to the large group or the large crowd, saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed. This seed is good, and it shows that the man chose a particular selective seed. Verse 25, but while this man was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Here we see the sharp contrast from something good to something negative. Verse 26, so when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared also. So also too, I'm going to, I'm going to, if you notice, or I'm going to try to consciously do this. If you notice me go weeds and wheat, it's because weeds and wheat sound a lot alike. Uh, weeds is also the other word that's used here um, is tares. Uh, I might use that interchangeably as we go. Um, so just keep that in mind. But back to the scripture, the weeds uh, here are likely Darnell, and the Darnell were local to the area there. And during the growth process or during the growing process of Darnell, both the weed and the wheat look almost indistinguishable, almost identical. Um, it isn't until maturity that there is a noticeable difference, and that difference is in the grain or the fruit of the wheat. Early on, both wheat and tares look alike. And looking at the next few verses, 27 and 28, the servants are asking, did you not sow good seed? How does it have weeds? And the master's response is, it's great. He's prompt and he's accurate. The, an enemy sowed this. The master, the, the master, the man, recognizes the work of his enemy immediately. The workers then go on to ask another question. Do you want us to remove them? But he immediately answers again, verses 29 and 30. No, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. The wheat and the weeds are sharing the same soil. Their roots are growing together, they're interconnected. This is important because if you start pulling up the weeds, you're also gonna pull up the wheat as well, inadvertently, but you will. The owner, the master knows this. He knows better. He says, let them both basically to continue to grow together 
or coexist together side by side without any detriment to the wheat at all, all the way to harvest time. Also, make note that the reapers are different than the servants. The harvesting is done by the reapers, not the servants. When the crop is ready, first priority is given to the weeds, and they're pulled out and thrown to be burned. Both wheats, and then the wheat is also separated. So we got this separation. Both wheat and weeds are coexisting and will be separated. And this is the end of the parable. But as I alluded to earlier, we see um, later on this chapter, Matthew verses 13, uh, when he gives his explanation, um, he leaves the crowds and his disciples come to him asking the hidden meaning of what we just spoke on. And just a, just a little refresher from the beginning, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, he's teaching in a parable, and there is a hidden meaning. With human wisdom and understanding, there's no way any one of us could fully understand it. It has to be revealed to us, which is exactly what he does in verses 36 and through 43, by the way. So go ahead and flip to those verses, Matthew 13. So verse 36, Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of, of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteousness will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, he who has ears, let him hear. This, this is where the, the, the need to dig deeper starts with the disciples. Before this parable, actually, earlier on in verse 10, the disciples came to, him, asked, came to Jesus asking him, why do you speak to them in parables? This time is a little bit different. In verse 36, if you notice, the disciples have shifted their focus on how to gain a deeper understanding for themselves. They're asking what is the meaning. They came to him in verse 36. And, in, and, and, th and, and that right there is just a great example of the growth, uh, the growth through discipleship. This is the result of walking with Christ they began to ask deeper questions and the things that were once hidden become revealed. Verse 37, he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus Christ is the son of man here. And the one who sows, which is a continual sowing, um, and this takes place, by the way, in the field. Moving on to verse 39, the field is the world and, and the world is basically all the earth and the good seed, which is wheat, is the sons of the kingdom. Sons implies kinship. It implies a relationship. It also shows an inheritance uh, of something the father owns. And in this case, it's the kingdom. 
This is, contra- this is in contrast, though, to the second part of verse 38. Keep going. Uh, it's basically here saying the weeds are the son of the enemy, the devil. There is a strict dichotomy here. There is no in between the heart. There's no in-between when the harvest is ready. Satan is the one who brings evil into God's good world, but it is also God who allows it. Next verse, 39. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. There's going to be a time, or there is a time, when, when evil will flourish, but there will also be a reaping, and that reaping is going to take place at the end. Reapers are not the son of man. They're not servants. They're not humans. They are angels. Next verses, 40 through 42. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will be the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The kingdom is already here by God's great grace in Jesus. But the consummation, the, the completion of the kingdom's final state is at the very end. The second coming of Christ, the revelation. At that time, there will be a reaping, a judgment, a separation. All will be judged. Next verse, 43. Or actually, before you go on, let's look back at just kind of, you can glance back if you, if you have, if it's easily accessible, verses uh, 27 through 30. Um, at the parable, we, we, we picked up that the servants were not the ones who uh, were going to reap the fields. The reapers are angels, specifically his angels. He's showing who is in control here. Also, further on, he, they will also gather out of his kingdom. It is showing his ownership of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is everything, and one day everything that is evil or weeds will be pulled out. It will be separated from the kingdom. Wheat and weeds are distinguished by the yield. Wheat produces grain. Weeds produce yield nothing life-giving. This speaks to the sovereignty of God. He is in total, absolute, perfect control. His way reigns supreme above all, and there's truly no other way but his. Next verse, 43. Then the righteousness, will sh- uh, uh, the righteousness will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This actually appears to be the only place uh, in these parables where God's fatherhood is linked directly to the kingdom. The one who's going to rule over the kingdom is a father. I like to think that uh, I'm a good father. I like to think I love my children well. But even in my own human self, I I fall short so many times and make so many mistakes. This scripture here, it it shows a picture of a perfect fatherly rule. Not only only is he calling us his children, he's also calling us to listen like children. All right, so the overall big picture here is good and evil are allowed to coexist, but the Lord Jesus will separate so this goes into my, this kind of, I kind of want to go back to the first two questions I was asking y'all at the beginning. Why is bad happening and where do I fit into this parable? 
Where do I see myself? So let's start with our first question. Why do bad things happen? Simply put, God allows it. He's sovereign. He's in total control. If you struggle making sense of all the chaos in the world, that's understandable. Both the wheat and weeds are, look alike. They're indis- indistinguishable. They're growing together simultaneously. Jesus stated this two centuries ago. It was relevant then, and it's still relevant today. How often do we argue over what is right and wrong? How often do we or me put my faith in something other than God, only to have it fail us? How often uh, have we seen something bad go unpunished and wondered why? I kind of want to take a little side segue here. That we're not to take matter into our own hands in deciphering who around us is the wheat and weeds. That's God. God does call us, however, to listen to the Spirit's leading. He does call us to speak truth and be a light in the midst of chaos. However, we need we need to trust that God is sovereign and He is ordained each and every day. Also. I also like to think there's another reason why God allows bad to happen, which leads me to my final question. Where do you see yourself in this parable? To try to answer this, I'm gonna make it uh, I'm gonna make it really real for you. So um, just bear with me for a second. Some of you know my testimony, some of you know my personal struggles. I've had several over the past few years. If left to my own worldly reasoning, I would have sought divorce, been practicing medicine elsewhere, maybe even not at all, living in a different city, probably a different state, struggling in multiple forms of addiction, getting angry at anyone who got in my way, and would be hopelessly depressed, wallowing in my own self-pity. And it's funny because if some of y'all knew me during that, but y'all didn't really know me, and if and if you saw me during that time, you wouldn't have seen the real me, or I would have kept you at a purposely placed distance. You would have thought, fun, goofy guy who has it all, a smoking hot wife, beautiful children, great job. Phenomenal, glorious beard growing skills, etc., <laughs> etc. Et you would have thought Henry has it all together. From the outside, that looked, it looked like that, but on the inside, I was falling apart. And everything I did on, on my own only made things worse. I was a weed trying to look like wheat, I was struggling with my purpose my meaning to life, my own salvation. So here I am right now, you're probably thinking, well, what changed? What happened? God's grace happened. He patiently allowed me to exist. He allowed me to pursue my selfish desires while he also still called to me. He also allowed me to be amongst believers who encouraged me, prayed with me, and spoke truth into me. I needed hope. I lost faith in everything else in my life. 
And in my darkest hour, he called and I listened. I realized my need for a savior and I responded with action. As I began uh, the discipline of reading his word and praying, the more I desired to know him. And the, and the more I, I desired to know him, the more I learned about his character and the more, of, the more his truth was revealed to me. I began to realize how truly small I am, or I was and still am, but how great the Holy Spirit dwelling, the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in me is. His Holy Spirit is the only good thing in me and the only thing that yields everlasting fruit. This produced and has continued to produce a great desire to know him, walk with him, listen to him, recognize him and his good, this is what being a disciple for Christ is like. This is the same picture of discipleship that was demonstrated in our parable. Jesus spoke the parable to his disciples, and they came to him in verse 36, and then he asked them to listen in verse 43. I'm not saying I'm perfect, <laughs> and I know a lot of y'all know I'm not, but Jesus is perfect. I have hope, I have Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. It's producing fruit. I have a guaranteed resting place in his future completed kingdom. And there is nothing that can separate me from that. Life doesn't always make sense. But I'm certain some of you here are dealing with or have dealt with some real struggles. If you're confused or have more questions than answer, or questions than answers, then let me tell you, the answer lies within him. If you truly want to know him, you have to be able to hear him and recognize his voice. Your mind and your heart have to be postured towards him. In the last verse, he states, those who have ears, let them hear. He's talking to me, he's talking to you, he's talking to his disciples. Read and meditate on it, which is the only true tangible thing I've been able to physically touch in this world. And it hasn't failed me so far. So I'm gonna kind of end with this. Um, also too, a lot of my current situations, circumstances have not changed. Life's still hard. But the biggest difference between the old Henry and the new Henry is I have hope. Not a hope in this world, but a hope in a guaranteed position in the future kingdom. He has given me strength to persevere, and I rest in the fact knowing that everything will be made right. Do you desire that same hope? If you have it, good job, great. Continue to persevere in that, trust in that. If you don't or you're uncertain, I would start by, by asking, are you a wheat or tear? If you don't know the answer to that either or where to even start, do you have ears? And if so, I encourage you to start by just listening to him. So pray with me and then I think Kurt's going to close me out. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for you being you, and thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for the people you've rescued in this room. And Lord, the people that, that 
may not know you, Lord, that may not understand you or may not understand why is there evil, Lord, I pray that they just look towards you and listen, Lord. Thank you again for your sovereignty, Lord, and we love you. And I pray this in your name. Amen.